that I want to communicate tonight it is very important, uh, I believe, to all of us, but was very pivotal in my life. And, uh, and I was going through a time, and I'm going to come down a little bit and just be a little transparent with you, is that I was going through a time, I was not here when this message was preached. I was still in Indonesia. When Pastor Steve had gotten sick, I was in Indonesia, and I had made the phone call. I was ready to come home, but they had told me everything was going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Just stay there in Indonesia and continue to build and continue to work. And right before he had passed away, they had called me and said, hey, it's time to come home. You need to come home. And as I was coming home, I was in Jakarta, and they had sent me an SMS and let me know that he had went on to be with the Lord. And that was not an easy time right there. It was like, boom, brother. You see, it was one of those moments in my life that was like, wow, I was in, in, a, in a turmoil. And to that point, Pastor Steve was my papa. Pastor Steve was my father. He was my leader. Uh, I had come to a point with, uh, while I was in the home that I had made a decision that whatever this man asks me to do, I'm going to take that, that that's from you, God. I told God that early in my walk with the Lord, early while I was still, after I stopped smoking, come on, somebody, after I stopped kicking and bucking, after when I really started taking three-minute showers and stopped taking ten-minute showers, come on, when I started flowing with the rules and I started submitting to the leadership and I started getting serious with God and I started having a conviction in my heart to do something for God, the first major decision that I had to make in my life that I was going to embrace leadership within my life and I was going to allow them to lead me and to guide me into the future that God had for me. And Pastor Steve was that leader for me. He was my father. I told God, whatever this man asks me to do, I'm going to take that, that that's from you, and I'm going to flow. I'm going to commit myself to it, and that's how I got to the Philippines. That's how I got to Indonesia. I never said, hey, I want to go to the Philippines. Hey, no, I was simply submitted to the plan of God for my life, submitted to the existing leadership, and when an opportunity opened, I jumped through it the same way I jumped through the opportunity in the streets. I jumped through the opportunities in the house of God. And there I began to go into the mission field, went into the Philippines, then went into Indonesia, found my wife, had two beautiful kids. And it was simply just submitting and embracing leadership within my life. And I thank God for that because in the early stages I was not mature enough to make a good godly decision for myself. I was not able to discern whether it was from God or it was from my emotions. Come on, somebody. You know how when you're smoking that pipe, come on, somebody, and you're smoking that pipe and your emotions are all numb and then all of a sudden you get sober and your emotions come back alive. Come on now. My emotions came back to life, and then when my emotions came back to life, they were so out of whack, it was hard for me to make a decision and know that it was from God. Was this an emotional decision or was this from God? I was immature. So in that, I said, I'm not going to try to make no decisions because my decisions are what got me in the home. I didn't come into the home because of how good I was. Come on, somebody. I didn't come into the home because I was a smart guy. I came into the home because I was messed up and I made a lot of messed up decisions. So I wasn't going to get saved and keep making the same bad decisions. And I knew that my emotions would lead me astray. So I said, instead of making my own decisions, I'm going to lean on this man and let him lead my life. Come on, somebody. And here I am 15 years later. I'm still living for God and I'm still fulfilling the plan of God within my life. But after he had passed away, there was a decision that was brought before me whether I was going to stay in Indonesia or if I was going to go to South Africa. And that was a tough decision. I had been in Indonesia for a few years. I was 
had been the one that pioneered the church. I had been there. I had a lot of, uh, of disciples that I was working with. And then the opportunity came, and I was looking for an answer. But I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have my father to tell me, Chuck, you do this. So I put this message in. And that's why this message is important to me. Because this message helped me make decisions. And how did it help me make decisions? It reminded me of the way I was discipled. And the way I was discipled helped me make decisions. Because if I would have leaned on my own understanding, I don't know what decision I would have made. But I had to go back to the upbringing that I had in the Lord. And as I began to clarify more clearly who I was in Christ, who I had been discipled to be in the discipleship, then it helped me see clearly the decision that I needed to make, and that was to go and to be a part of the team there in Cape Town, South Africa. It was a year and a half process that I went through before I finalized the decision, and I thank God that I did, and there we are. We're having a great, great explosion right there. But this message helped me to make that decision within my life. And even in this message, he says, give me Cape Town. And that, and I wasn't here when he preached it. And I was very, I didn't want to listen to it, to be honest, because it was an emotional message. It was an emotional time within the ministry of Victor Outreach Hayward. So I leaned away from listening to that message until that point came. And I said, well, how am I going to make this decision? I said, I got to hear what he said at the end. got to hear his heart one more time. I got to hear what he was talking about. I got to get it in me a little bit. And I put that message in. And he said, the pastor asked for a cup of water. Give me Cape Town. And boom. Enough said. My pastor spoke to me one more time. Decisions made. I'm going to Cape Town. Chica, pack your bags. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and she said, what? I said, don't trip. Come on now. <laughs> We're going to Cape Town, South Africa. We've been there for five years now. God is bringing a tremendous explosion there. Come on and give Jesus a good round of applause. So I'm going to do my best to communicate it tonight. Now open up your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Time. Hallelujah. How am I going to do that one? Come on, somebody. I'm going to go fast. Smile at me. Are you guys awake? You guys are alive? I, Toby messed me up. He said he had a long day, and he knows he felt I said, oh, my God, it's going to be a tough night. Hallelujah. <laughs> Joshua chapter 14, we're going to read verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to get into the message here tonight. How many love Jesus? Are you excited? Praise Dierra. And I bring you greetings on behalf of my wife, Sister Chica, and my two beautiful kids, Joshua chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. Are you there? The Bible reads like this. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the desert, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out, 
I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this mountain, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the, the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Father, one more time, in the name of Jesus, anoint my life to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. How many love Jesus? Before I get into the message, I want to give you a little story, and this is the story that Pastor Steve had opened up with when he had communicated this message. Back in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of George Gregory. Now, George Gregory was out of London, England, and this man was a man that had made numerous attempts to conquer the great mountain named Mount Everest. And on one of the attempts that he had made to conquer this great mountain, him and his team had experienced an avalanche, and a lot of them had died and passed away, and some of them had survived. Now, after this particular event, they had a celebration in honor of George Gregory. And as they were celebrating, they had set up a certain hall, and they had been there, and they had invited some of the survivors to come and to be able to be there. And when, the, when they had the celebration, they had put different pictures up, and they had put pictures up of Mount Everest and put pictures up of some of the team and even George Gregory. And as they were there celebrating, there was one of the survivors that walked around the area, and he was looking at the different pictures, and he's seen the picture of George Gregory. He's seen some of the pictures of his team, probably people that he loved, probably people that he had spent a lot of time with, people that he was definitely connected with. And then it was his opportunity to address the crowd. And as he stood before the crowd, probably a lot of emotion going on inside of him, he began to speak to the crowd and communicate some of his experiences, giving honor to George Gregory. But as he was communicating, he looked at the mountain. And when he looked at the mountain, he forgot about the crowd and began to speak to the mountain. And when he was speaking to the mountain, he said, Mount Everest, you may have, won, may you, you may have beat us one time. You may have even got us a second time. You may have even defeated us a third time. But Mount Everest, we're going to beat you. And the reason we're going to beat you is because even though you're big, you can't grow no more. And we're still growing. Come on, somebody. How many know we're still growing? And that comes home to us that maybe you've had your mountains in your life. Maybe you've had your times of failure, your times of defeat. I got good news that those mountains that you failed, they're not getting no bigger, but you and I are still growing. You and I are still getting bigger. So we can say just like that man, Mount Everest, you may have got me once. Mount Everest, you may have got me twice. But you're not going to get me again because I'm still growing. I'm still becoming everything that God has called me to become. How many know Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay? We're still growing to become everything that God is. Come on, you got to clap a little bit. You got to get a little excited in here. Come on, somebody. The water's flowing. That was a powerful statement that this man had made, and that was a powerful understanding that he had for life, that he would not allow a failure to pump so much fear in him that he would not try again. That he would not get so overwhelmed by anxieties when he thought about trying to conquer that mountain again. 
But he would push it aside. He would do the things that he needed to improve. He would do the things that he needed to do to become better. How many know we need to become better? Before we can become bigger, we need to become better. And if we become better, we'll naturally become bigger. And as we're becoming better, we will get victory over the mountains within our lives. Give me the mountain was the request that Caleb had made at 85 years of age. Now, let's look about the facts that are surrounding the request that Caleb had made. See, this request that was being made by Caleb in verse 12, Now give me this mountain that the Lord had promised me on that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out and get the victory. See, this request that was being made by Caleb was more like a foolish fantasy coming from a child than a serious adult desire coming from an elder statesman. It sounded as if this guy has lost his mind. Why would he ask for that area within the promised land? See, 40 years prior to this request, Joshua and Caleb had come over to the promised land with 10 other spies. And as they came into the promised land, they checked out the land, they checked out the fruit, they checked out the different things. And when they returned back to Moses, the Bible records that 10 of the spies gave gave a testimony or a report of fear, but Joshua and Caleb gave a report of faith. And how many know that if we're going to go and do what God has called us to do, we cannot be overwhelmed by fear. But like Pastor Steve used to teach, we need to keep our faith level higher than our fear level. And in my journey with God in a, in a world's largest Muslim country, there was times of fear. There was times of being overwhelmed with anxiety. But I thank God for messages that were preached to me that I got to keep my faith level higher than my fear level. Joshua and Caleb were birthed with that type of faith. And one year, one generation had passed away because they had missed their opportunity because of the bad report that was spread out, spread about the people by the ten spies. Now one generation passed away, but here Joshua and Caleb got a second opportunity to go into their promised land. And as they went into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb and a whole new generation They went in, and Caleb had given himself to the vision. Caleb, this is one thing that stood out to me so clear, is that Caleb gave himself to the vision of Moses and the vision of Joshua and put his vision on the back burner. In other words, the house vision was priority. The vision of seeing families restored was priority. The vision of seeing the church expand and become everything that God had called it to become. The vision to reach out to the Philippines. The vision to reach out to Indonesia. The vision to see Victory Outreach International be expanded as a ministry throughout the world was bigger than the vision of himself. He gave himself more. And for years went when someone had a battle and they needed to take a territory, Caleb locked hearts and went to battle with them. When this family or this people wanted to take this there, Caleb locked hearts and went with them. And here he was. He says, hey, I've helped you fight your battles. I've helped you fight your battles. I've helped you fight your battles. And I've helped you fight your battles. But now 
there's some territory for me. Come on, somebody. There's some land and some property that belongs to me. I've been helping fight the overall vision. I've been helping fight the house vision. And as I help fight the overall vision and help fight the house vision, my vision will automatically come to pass. Come on and give the Lord a good round of applause if you believe it. He says, now it's my time. I'm going to get what was promised to me. See, Caleb had been content in helping his fellow brothers fight for land that would be given to them. But he himself had not yet received anything. Now it was his time. I've been silent fighting for the overall vision of our people. But now it is my time to get a piece of the pie. And to their surprise, even their shame, Caleb asked for one of the most dangerous areas in the land. He said, now it's my time. And they said, okay, what territory do you want? He said, give me the area with the giants in it. Give me the territory that everybody else is shying away from. Come on, somebody. Give me the area that the people are afraid of. Give me the areas that people shrink back from. He didn't ask for a little easy area, but he asked for the tough stuff. And one thing we came up under, under a man of God that did not ask for the easy stuff, but he asked for the tough stuff. And we as a ministry, Victory Outreach, we never asked for the easy stuff. Give us the tough areas. Give us where gangs are. Give us where drug addicts are. Give us where prostitutes are. You can have Blackhawk. You can have that area. Give me the inner cities of the world. He had a fire inside of him that would not allow him to shame himself or shame the people and go for the easy stuff. Give us the land with the giants in it. Give us the land where there's the most violence. And if you know anything about our ministry, where there's gang warfare, victory outreach is there. Where there's drug addiction, victory outreach is there. Even the whole reason for our ministry being in existence is because in the 60s when there was heroin addiction and drug addiction and gang violence, churches were moving to the suburbs and churches were moving to the nicer areas. But God raised up a ministry called Victory Outreach and said, I still love the inner cities of the world. That is our DNA. And Pastor Steve modeled that so beautifully for us that we would not shrink back from the tough assignments that God had for us. Give us the land with the giants in it. Even as a church here in Hayward or Heart of the Bay, we never went after easy stuff. Give us Manila, Philippines. Give us San Pedro, Laguna. Give us Cape Town, South Africa. And we went there, and they first went there, the first teams that went there, they felt intimidated because the look that was getting given from the gangsters that were walking by the cars looking for something to steal, looking for something to rob. Now, Cape Town's a beautiful city, but from the reports, Pastor Steve didn't go to the beach. Come on, somebody. He went right there to the flats. He went right there to the projects. He went to where the people were dying and being torn apart. And now today, my friend, Victory Outreach Cape Town is popping it open for the kingdom of God. Caleb didn't ask for the easy stuff. See, we have been birthed under the leadership and a ministry that has been willing to go after the most difficult areas in the world. Those of you that came from A Street, those of you that came from Dakota, 
Those of you that come from Oakland, how many know that Victory Outreach, we go where the difficult places are? Where there's violence, Victory Outreach exists. Where families are being torn apart by the work of Satan, Victory Outreach exists. Now, why would Caleb ask for a land with the giants in it? See, in order to understand his request, we must be able to understand him as a person. The first thing that we can see from Caleb is that Caleb was a humble man. And his humility was seen in his willingness to fight for other people before he fought for himself. He was a man that was content with being in the background. He didn't fight for the limelight. He didn't care who seen him. Come on, somebody. And I think that's very important that as a generation that's coming up in the house of God, that we don't just shoot for the stage or the microphone or try to get the pats on the back or try to get all the compliments. How many know we need to be content whether there's people around or there's no one around? I will live my life for God. Whether there's leadership around or no one's around, I will live my life for the kingdom of God. Whether they say good job or they say don't good job, I will live my life for the kingdom of God. I will not be moved by someone else's opinions. We were birthed in a ministry that we didn't strive for the compliments. We just wanted to do what God called us to do. Very simple. Going in to the tough areas. Caleb was content with just hanging out in the background. Seeing the overall vision come to pass. Seeing them cross the Jordan. Knocking down the walls of Jericho. Going in, taking different territory. He was content with just being a part of the plan. It doesn't matter who does the job as long as the job gets done. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. The main thing is that we're all moving forward. It doesn't matter who gets the pat on the back. Come on, somebody. The only thing, when you shine, we all shine. When she shines, we all shine. And when you hurt, we hurt. How many know we all got to shine together? It doesn't matter who gets the, the, the name on the front of the jersey is way more important than the name on the back. We fight for the kingdom of God. Caleb was content with just fighting for the vision. He was also a man of self-sacrificing loyalty. See, most of the world is in it for themselves. Most of the world is taught, get all you can and can all you get. Most of, many of us came into the Lord like this. Pastor Steve used to say, my name is Jimmy and gimme, gimme, gimme. Come on, somebody. And I remember when I came into the home, I, I just came in, you know, little drug addict. Fresh out of the county, still a bald head. Come on, somebody. And I came in, I was looking around like, how can I come up in this place? Come on, somebody. You know what my vision was? My vision was to come into the home, and when I would go to job sites, I would get a front. I was going to get a front, get a big bag. And I was going to get that bag. I was going to stash it. Come on, somebody. And as I went to the job sites, I was going to offer 20 here or a teen here. I was going to make a lot of money. I had to be in the home for a year, so I figured after a whole year of doing that, I'm going to come out stacked. Come on, somebody. I'm going to come out popping. I came in with a mindset that was all about me. I came in with a mentality that says, what can Victory Outreach do for me? When I came into the home, is this the home right here? Smile at me. Come on, somebody. When I came into that home, my only question is, how can I come up from this place? 
But when I knew I was changing and I knew God was transforming, the question was no longer what can this place do for me, but it was more what can I do for this place. That's when I knew Jesus was changing my life. See, most of the world is in it for themselves. They're looking at what they can come up on, and I think it's even worse now. I thank God I'm raising my kids in, in a foreign country. When I come to America and I look at all the madness, I said, like in they do in South Africa, they say, you're. I don't know what it means in English. All I know is it means something like, wow. So when I come here, I said, you're. This place is, very, is getting worse and worse of selfishness. What about me? It's all about me. They even probably changed the words to some of the songs. It's all about me. Ooh. Come on, somebody. See, many of us come to the Lord with this type of mentality. My name is Jimmy and gimme, gimme, gimme. See, but not Caleb. He was willing to give of himself for the betterment of others. See, these men that are willing to sacrifice their own goals and their own life for the betterment of others stand out amongst the rest. See, may we as God's people never be known as opportunistic, hungry beggars looking for handouts. See, there is a difference between blessings and beggings. How many know we don't need to go beg nobody? We simply got to get on our knees because God's our source. Because God is our source. The government, my friend, is not our source. The economy, my friend, is not our source. Jesus Christ is our source. That's why I get excited when I hear about 20% tithing. Because you can never outgive God. You give with a spoon, God will give with a shovel. You give with a shovel, God will bless you with a bulldozer. How many want some bulldozer blessings in their life? we got to learn to step out by faith. And when you respond to the challenges that are coming from the pulpit, what you're saying is, God's my source. I thank God for my job. But my job is not my source. My job is my channel. Come on, somebody. Because water comes from a lot of places. It doesn't come from the faucet. Come on now. But it comes through the faucet. But there's a bigger, bigger source out there that provides water to that water faucet. And that is the mentality of a person that is trusting in God, where God is our source. On the mission field, we trust the Lord. We thank God for those that respond and give and say, hey, brother, I want to put this in your account, or I want to bless you with it. Praise God for that. And I know that God's going to bless them, but my dependency is not on them. Although I'm grateful for them. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't stop giving. I'm very grateful. <laughs> but with or without that giving, God still called us. And we cannot be dictated. When one shuts down, God wants to open up another one. When I'm in need, I take a bigger seed. Come on, somebody. You don't like the size of your harvest, then look at the size of your seed. Come on, somebody. How many of we're quick to complain? This tithing thing doesn't really work. Come on, somebody. But we only tithe, you know, once one, one check out of the month. Come on, somebody. But when we're consistent and faithful, God is our source. Caleb was trusting in the Lord. He was willing to put the overall vision before his vision. See, he was willing to work hard for what he was going to get. How many know we, there is no easy come? Easy come, easy go. Pastor Steve used to say about ministry, if you can take it or leave it, just leave it. If you can't handle the pressure and handle the fight, then it's better for you to stay in the park. Come on, somebody. 
But if you feel the stirring in your heart that you say in your heart, I can't do without it. God has called me to this. I cannot be denied. There's a stirring in my heart. I will not give up. And if it takes hard work to get there, I'm not looking for the easy way. I'm not looking for shortcuts. I'm looking for the plan and the call of God upon my life. See, there is a difference between blessings and beggings. We must be willing to do the hard work. Don't take shortcuts. Don't look for the easy way. Be willing to put others' needs before ourselves. Caleb gave himself to the vision of Moses and Joshua before he gave himself to the vision of himself. Another thing that we see about his character is that not only was he a self-sacrificing loyalty or was he a humble guy, but Caleb never asked for the easy stuff. See, fulfilling God's plan for our church and for our lives will not be easy. Because God builds his highways in the mountaintops. Anybody can build a highway on the beach. Come on, somebody. Pastor Stephen said, my grandkids can build right there with a little, you know, put their hand and, and build a little highway and build a little, you know, little toll and, and have everybody there. And then you could pay at the toll, he said. Come on, somebody. He said, that's easy. But God doesn't build his highways in the easy places. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that God builds his highways in the mountaintops. You think about highways that have been built in the mountaintops. It's not an easy project. And how many know the ministry that God has called us will not be easy? The vision that God has given to us as Victor Outreach Heart of the Bay will not be easy. There's no easy way to accomplish it. It takes a group of men and women that are committed, that are grateful for where God brought them from, that remember how low they were when the Lord delivered them, that remember how far their marriage was when God restored it, that remember how much debt they were when God blessed them, they remember how dark it was when God lifted them out. And they said, if God can do that, then God can do anything. And I'm willing to commit myself to the kingdom of God. Come on, if you're willing, I want you to clap a little bit. He never asked for the easy stuff. And we were taught early in the game that it's not easy serving God. Serving God is not for cha-chas, not for sissies, crybabies. Those were the messages we grew up in. Like you're cry Come on, stop crying. He used to say, if you're going to have a pity party, don't invite me. He said, some of you just need to buy a dog. He said, just get a dog because you don't listen to me. That's what he used to tell us. You don't listen to me. You just want to be heard, so just buy yourself a dog. And you can go and complain to the dog, and then the dog won't say nothing. Then you can go and continue to do what you want to do because that's what you want to do anyway. Come on, somebody. How many thank God for Pastor Steve? Come on now. We were discipled to understand clearly from the very beginning stages that serving God would not be easy. How do you know you're on the road to success? It's uphill all the way. When push comes to shove, we're going to see what you're made of. When times get tough, we're going to see who you really are. That was the discipleship that we came up under. And I thank God because in every country I've been in, it hasn't been easy. But if it would not have been of that type of discipleship, I probably wouldn't be here right now. But I thank God for a man that transmitted the heart of God. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But in me, you're going to have peace. I told you this so that you don't get surprised. Count it all joy when you go through some difficulties. That was the message of Christ. Those are the messages of Pastor Steve. And I thank God for those messages today. Come on and give the Lord a good round of applause.
And because of that cutting edge type of discipleship, no matter how hard the enemy has tried to hit, we have always been able to bounce back. We're like that bouncing uh, thing. You know, you used to have that thing. You used to, you, were, you look tough when you hit that thing. Come on, somebody. Pastor Steve used to say, anyone can shadow box. Come on now. Some of you look good when you shadow box. You look, uh, uh. But when that person starts hitting back, come on, somebody. Uh, but I thank God that I learned to bounce back after even being knocked down. How many have ever been knocked down in the house of God? How many ever felt just dazed for about a whole year? Come on, somebody. I remember a season in Indonesia where I don't know what I did. Come on. I just thank God I made it through the year. Come on, somebody. But it was that type of training, that type of discipleship that would stir up in my heart where I would not throw in the towel. I would not give up. And I thank God that he trained me early in the game. See, this type of discipleship was in our DNA. See, at 85 years old, Caleb requested for the most difficult challenge of his life. And we, too, have that same DNA inside of us that we don't request for the easy things. We request, we have already requested for the challenges that the world is facing. Now that we've looked at Caleb as a person, let's look a little more at Caleb's request, and I'm going to close right now. See, Caleb's request, his request was in line with his character. Although his request may have looked foolish, but really it was in line with who he was. Others looked and said, why are you calling? See, you must remember that Abraham's bones were in that mountain. Isaac's bones were in that mountain. Sarah, their, 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 their mother from generations, was, their bones, there was something special inside of that mountain. And to their shame, they all overlooked it. It was not vital to them anymore. It was not important. As long as I got mine, as long as I got my little land, I got my little tent or whatever they had, we're cool, you know, my wife is cool, my kids are cool, we're cool right there. It doesn't matter what the sacrifices that were made before. It, it doesn't matter the fights that they, they, they fought before. As long as I'm happy, how many know we can never become those type of people? We have to remember the blood, sweat, and tears that was given to give birth to a ministry that is going all around the world. We can never forget Sonny Argonzoni. We can never forget Nikki Cruz. We can never forget David Wilkerson, we have to honor our legacy as we continue to trailblaze to our future. It was not important to them, but his request was in line with his character. He honored his legacy. He was grateful for Abraham's step of faith. He was grateful for Jacob, even though he made mistakes. Come on, somebody. He was still grateful for those that had went before him. And he would not live with that shame over him. That mountain still needed to be conquered. See, the definition of Caleb's name was capable. And if you remember when the, the spies came back and they stirred up the crowd and all the crowd was coming against them, Caleb stood and silenced the crowd and he says, we are capable. It was in line with his request for that mountain was in line with his character. See, he could ask for mountains because he himself had mountains on in the inside. He could ask for mountains because he had mountains on the inside. Pastor Steve had mountains on the inside. I believe Victor Outreach Heart of the Bay has mountains on the inside. We could request the tough stuff because we ourselves are tough. Come on, somebody. His request was in line 
with his character and his request was in line with his faith. See, 40 years prior, this land was promised to him. And no matter how many battles he faced, no matter how many things he went through, his faith would not waver at the promise that was given to him. How many know we could learn from that? How many have received some promises from the Lord? How many have received some promises from God? And after you receive that promise, the devil try to knock that faith out of you. After you receive that promise for your children, after you receive that promise for your future, then the devil tries to hit you with a battle. But how many know, no matter how hard it gets in the battle, we can never lose our faith in the promises that God has given us. Come on, if God has given you promises and you're still believing, you can clap those hands a little bit. No matter what he went through. His faith would not be wavered. See, although acts of heroism happen suddenly, but heroes are not born again suddenly. I'm going to say it again. Although acts of heroism happen suddenly, a burning house, bam, someone goes in. A cat in a tree. No, I'm just playing. Come on, somebody. You jump up there. Come on now. You're a hero. Hallelujah. A burning house, a difficult situation. A car accident, bam, a hero steps in. Acts of heroism, heroism happen suddenly, but heroes are not born again suddenly. See, heroes in the faith are cultivated, discipled, trained, produced. Where are they discipled? They're discipled in the mountaintops. It's not the easy stuff that makes us long-lasting Christians. It's not the easy things that we face that make us. He used to say, too much sun makes a desert. But it takes a little rain to bring out the roses. Come on, somebody. How many thank God for the rain? And no matter what battles he faced, he understood that his character and his faith was being developed. See, we coming up under the leadership of Pastor Steve and Pastor Josie and the church here, Victory Outreach. We have been raised in the mountains. Nothing was easy. I was in them jack-in-the-box trips. Come on, somebody. I had flyers, and I didn't even know how to witness. Come on now. I remember going to San Francisco and, and being sent there, and I just stopped smoking. I just stopped kicking and bucking. I, I, I was fighting the staff. I would even take the staff outside, threaten them. Come on, somebody. I said, come here, let me talk to you real quick. Hey, check this out. I noticed that you're always going to Pasquale. Come on, somebody. You remember Pasquale? And you're always in his ear. Well, I don't know where you come from, but where I come from. Come on, somebody. We don't get down like that. Come on, somebody. And if I ever catch you doing that for me, come on now. We're going to have some problems. And I walked away. I was bucking the whole time. I remember being on the side of the house, Pastor Steve's house, three days in the home. And they sent me there to mow the lawn. Come on, somebody. And everybody was mowing the lawn, and they were there serving. And I didn't understand what they were teaching me. I didn't understand it. I was fresh. And I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, what a bunch of suckers. <laughs> and that was my thought. Like, over here mowing the lawn, washing the car. I ain't doing none of this. Pew, I bounced. Boom. I took off down the street, went up over to the liquor store in San Leandro across uh, East Fort. What is that, 14th right there, Mission? Went across Mission, bought a pack of cigarettes. Come on, somebody. I'm fresh out the county. I didn't come for the Lord. I didn't come for God. I came, you know, weaseling my way out of prison. So there I am. I have a cigarette. I come back. I smoke one. I get on the phone, try to call people. And no one answers the phone. I don't get no ideas over there. Come on, somebody. And then I go back to the house. 
And then I go back to the house. Like I even went on the side of the house. What a fool. And there I am on the side of the house. I kick my foot up, smoking a cigarette. On the side of the and king's over here biting at my feet. Come on now. And there I am like, looking at the dog. And, and then the, the little staff comes. He tries to tell me, like, hey, man, hey, just mind your own business. <laughs> he comes. He tries to tell me, hey, mind your own business. This is my world. And that was my whole mindset when I had first come into the home. And there I, then all of a sudden, the Lord started to work. How many know God is faithful? And no matter how rough you are, God will chip away at your, your character. And it wasn't a leader. It wasn't like that. It was more just the preachings, the altar call, the atmosphere, everything that was being said. Little by little, all that stuff started falling off. And I remember started responding to God and responding to the call of God upon my life. And right when I did that, Pastor Steve had some eyes, boy, because I just stopped smoking. And all of a sudden, I get a call that I'm going to Frisco. And I was like, what? And then I'm still battling, you know, with cigarettes and all that stuff. And not only did I go to Frisco, but then I was with one of the brothers that was supposed to oversee everything, the whole crusade. He's supposed to oversee all of it, all the evangelism, everything that's happening there. Then he pulls him back. He pulls the guy back and says, tell Chucky to, to be in charge. <laughs> and this guy comes back, and then I'm there, and I'm saying, I'm in charge. I never gave a Bible study. I never did nothing with nobody. I'm there like, man, this is heavy. So I'm looking, and all of a sudden, I could feel something come over me, like a courage, like a confidence. I said, man, come on, I'm going to do this. You know what? Come here, all you guys. Come here. Come here. Let's check this out. I want all you guys to get in a circle. Come on now. I want you to hold hands. Come on, somebody. We're going to pray. We're going to go to the streets. And I started getting a strategy. You two are going to go there. We've got a map. Started looking at it. I started getting on to it. But I never known. But he had eyes to see that. He had eyes to identify a gifting upon our lives. He was able to believe God for a people that weren't able to believe God for themselves. He had faith like Moses when they stood before the Red Sea. And they said, why don't you just leave me in Egypt? It was better for me to die in Egypt. And I got mountains on the side of me. I got an army behind me. And Moses said, just be still. I'm going to believe God for you, even when you can't believe God for yourself. Pastor Steve was one of those men. He believed God for us when we couldn't believe God for ourselves. And look at us now. We're still going forward for the kingdom of God. Come on and clap a little bit. Come on and clap. Hallelujah. We were birthed in the mountains, do the, do the difficult things. Then from there, it was fast. Okay, now I want you to go help Eddie. I was six months saved now. Still never gave a Bible study. Come on, somebody. And went to go help in Sacramento, six months saved. Went there and learned how to have a Bible study and learned how to not be moved by emotions. Come on, somebody. And there I was, just fighting and fighting. I wanted to quit. And, and we were there. It was a smaller church. Pastor Eddie was still just working. He just got there. He only been there a couple years. He was still fighting the stigma and going through a lot of things. But Pastor Steve was putting us in situations. See, leaders and heroes in the faith are not born suddenly. There's different platforms and different seasons you will find yourself in. Because God is developing, God builds his heroes in the mountains. And then I remember from there I came back and they said, okay, Chuck, you ready? Take over the home in Hayward. And it was like 38 guys and it went down to like three. 
overnight. We came back from Mighty Men of Valor. It was empty. I said, man. And then, you know, you start looking at yourself. I'm a bad leader. I'm no good. I'm all this. But that was my grace level. My grace level was three guys. Come on, somebody. Because that's all I had over there in Sacramento, and two of them left. Come on now. <laughs> I ended up with one, one disciple. Come on now. By the time I left, I think we had six or something like that, which I, I wasn't that bad. Come on now. <laughs> and then we came back, and I took over the home in Hayward and certain things. And then all of a sudden, whoa, a lot of guys left. There was only like three or six guys left. Like, wow. And I started hitting it. And I think I directed the home for about 14 months. I was in it. Fighting, I mean, he would have us on trips. I remember going to the warehouse. I had a van. Little broke down van. White van with a blue stripe. Remember that baby blue van? We're driving. We go over there. I'm going to close right now. You, you could come to go guitar or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and I remember being there. We were in the van. I had the guys. And we drive over to the warehouse, and he goes, I want you to go to the warehouse and pick up a few desks. So I said, all right, great. You know, I'm going to go pick up some desks. We go to a warehouse that's probably about three of these buildings. I'm serious. Three of these sanctuaries full of desks. And I go, okay, so I, I'm thinking they want us to pick, you know, pick one or two and, and take it back to the church. So I look, and I go, okay, so cool. So we, we get to pick our own, or what should we do? He goes, no, no, all of these. And I'm looking at the little white van with the blue stripe, and I'm looking at this big old warehouse full of desks. So I call Pastor Steve, and I say, Pastor, do you, do you realize how many desks are here? He says, yeah, 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 just bring them all, bring them all, bring them all. Bring all the desks. Yeah, check it, bring them all. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to redo the, the, the offices. He was all excited. I was like, and you know, like you don't question. I, okay, Pastor, all right. So we went in, but I was going through changes. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was going, what is going on? What is happening? That was my season. But if I wouldn't have had that season, I would have never pulled out that CD when I needed to make an important decision in my life. He was teaching me, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. And I remember we went back and forth for days, dude. I think it was about a week and a half. I remember even dropping off desks, shooting back to the home, changing, putting on a suit, coming up to church, and you going on and man, 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 we were there worshiping God. And the Lord was dealing with my life because God cultivates his heroes in the mountaintops. I remember packing out all the offices, and we even had a huge sale and sold most of the desks, and those finances were able to go to continue building the kingdom of God. I didn't see all that stuff. I didn't understand what he was seeing. But I learned my lesson because it's not the easy seasons that make us solid Christians. It's the times of just faith. <laughs> I remember he said, hey, go, give me about five more minutes. Is that okay? We're good? Okay, cool. I'm going to give you one more story. Mountaintops developed. Heroes are not born suddenly. Come on, somebody. Stay with me. They're born in the mountaintops. Come on now. I remember I was there. I was still not a director. I was still had baggy sweats. Come on, somebody. Big old T-shirt there. And he goes, Chucky, I want you. We just moved into the building. Remember, we just moved into the building. And the side, the one over there. And the side was all full of weeds. And everybody else was painting, having a good time, and doing all these things. And he gives me this little tool. 
that he bought over there at that, the, the dollar stores. He bought this little tool, and he goes, here, I want you to go pull all the weeds. And I'm looking at him like, what? <laughs> I'm looking at this little green tool. Come on, somebody. And I remember then he walked away, and I looked back, and I said, all right. And I put the green tool down, and I grabbed the lawnmower. Come on, somebody. And I said, and I start hitting the weeds. And I'm going over all the weeds. And about 15 minutes later, he comes back. And I could just hear, like, you know, lawnmower's like, and I go, oh, 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 and I turn it off. He said, didn't I say, or didn't I ask you to pull the weeds? And I said, Pastor, no, 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 it's okay. Pull the weeds. I get the thing. I don't understand what he's doing. I start getting this little thing, and I put it in the grass. And as I'm pulling it out, the roots start coming out. And as the roots are coming out, the Lord starts speaking to me. If you just lawn mow over them, they're going to grow back again. But if you take the, the slow way, don't build your highway in the beaches. Build your highways in the mountains. Sometimes the slow way is the long way. There is no fast way to make it happen. Our life has to be cultivated in the difficult times. Don't jump out of the fire. Don't jump out of there. And as I was doing, I was starting breaking right there. The Lord was doing something in my heart. I learned a vital lesson. But he would put me in platforms. He knew me. He knew me before I knew him. Come on, somebody. I had never talked to him yet. He just seen okay, through the weeds. And he knew the process. Because he was helping me to become a man that would be able to stand no matter what country I would be in. Even when I went to the largest Muslim country, I was able to take the fear, the frustration, the anxiety, all of the oppression, the spiritual battles, everything that was taking place. But if I wouldn't have had that weed experience, if I wouldn't have had that warehouse experience, if I wouldn't have had all those San Francisco experiences, if I wouldn't have had all those things taking place within my life, I would not have made it. I thank God for the discipleship of this house. And if we're going to be the church, or the, not even just the church, the people, because the vision will continue with or without us. But God wants us to be a part of it. And as we're a part of it, he has to cultivate us. Because heroes are not birthed suddenly. It takes a process to make us into long-lasting Christians. Come on and give the Lord a good round of applause. See, Caleb was able to ask for the most difficult territory because he himself had mountains inside of him. And we, as God's people, as a church here at Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay, we're able to ask for mountains because God is developing us on the mountaintops. My closing is this. When Caleb eventually had the opportunity to go up and slay the giants, he went up to an area that's full of giants and fortified cities, and had all these things going on. But if you read the rest of the story, Caleb was able to go in to that territory 
and slay those giants, knock down those cities and take over the territory. That territory, after being taken care of, became one of the central stations for the people of, of Jerusalem. Became one of the headquarters. See, he went in and said, if that land is able to produce giants for the enemy, if that, that land is able to produce giants for the enemy, then that same land is able to produce giants for the kingdom of God. And that is what's happening with the Ministry of Victory Outreach. If that land is able to produce gang members, if that land is able to produce gang leaders, if that land is able to produce drug dealers, if that land is able to produce uh, prostitutes, that same land, when taken over by the people of God, are able to raise up more Jose Guadaramas, more Eddie Caravales, more men of God that will go to the four corners of the world, more Steve Pinedas, more Ed Moraleses, more David Martinez, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That is our task, Victory Outreach. We don't ask for the easy stuff. Give us the place where the giants are. Because if that land produces giants for the enemy, that same land can produce giants for the kingdom of God. Come on and clap your hands if you believe it this morning. I want everybody to stand. Come on all over this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Caleb. We learned a lot from this. And if you listen to the message, no one can communicate it better than Pastor Steve. But that message gives us a clear understanding of his heart and the way he discipled this church and the way he discipled Pastor Esteban. And I believe that spirit that he was able to transmit into the lives of many is still alive today. That's why Will and Dana will be able to make a difference there in South Africa. When they get there, they've been discipled right. They've been trained right. They're going to go in and make a difference. They've taken the humble route and just been there serving and being a blessing. They got the spirit of, of what's taking place in this house. Just eat our mush. Come on, somebody. Eat our mush and hush. Come on now. And just be under and serve and see it come to pass. And the Lord will, he used to tell us, just be great in the sight of the Lord. Just be great in the sight of the Lord. Just humble yourself to God. And just work for God and labor for God. And God will lift you up. And God will raise you up. How many know we're going to humble ourselves? And as we continually humble ourselves, God is going to raise us up to do everything that he's called us to do. Come on and lift up your hands all over this place as we sing a song. Come on and sing us. Come on, lift up your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. I everything. Just close your eyes right there where you're at. 